0: story. Uh, Secret agent, man. Uh, For a few weeks now, we've been looking at some of the stranger things in the Bible, right? The stories that maybe don't get told as much because they're a little weird or a little hard to explain or a little of both. Uh, We've seen demon pigs. There's been fire and brimstone from heaven. A woman turned to salt. Last week was all about an army of dry bones that came to life. Uh, I, I hope, though, that this is more than just a, a time to, uh, uh, to hear some cool stories, but that you've heard God speaking uh, through these strange things. Uh, we've learned that there is no one Absolutely no one who is beyond the grace of God, right? And we've also learned that that God uh, calls us to tell people about our encounters with him. As we encounter him, then he says, go and tell that story to others. We found out that God answers prayer. We found out that God wants to breathe his life into over and over again. uh, These stories, although maybe strange, speak God's truth. To us, and and I don't know. Chances are, maybe those few stories we've already looked at. Maybe you were already familiar with those uh, a little bit. I mean, the the story of Lot's wife—you've probably heard, maybe heard about uh, Lot's wife and this woman that was turned to salt, or maybe you've heard about the dry Valley of Dry Bones, or or even the demon possessed guy. They're kind of uh, well known as in in scripture circles, anyway. Uh, but today. Maybe we're going to get into the area where you haven't necessarily uh, necessarily heard this. This is a secret agent spy story, and it's kind of obscure. It's about an oppressive king and a left-handed hero, and there's a homemade sword, and there's intrigue and deception. It's everything that a, uh, that a good spy thriller uh, is, is, uh, is made of. And so as I read this story, I think we would do well to maybe have a little, uh, a little background music, maybe a little spy music uh, would, would be good. Go ahead, Dave, and see if we've got anything there that would... Uh... I think this will help as we, uh, as we dive into the, uh, the scripture today. Judges chapter 3, verse 12. Here we go. Again... The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Getting the uh, Ammonites and Amalekites to join him, Eglon came and attacked Israel, and they took possession of the city of Palms. The Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud a left-handed man, the son of Gera the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. After Ehud had presented this tribute, he sent on their way those who had carried it. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your Majesty, I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, Leave us, and they left. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his palace, and he said, I have a message from God for you. And the king rose from his seat. Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle sank in after the blade, and his bowels discharged. Oh my goodness, this is getting crazy. Ehud did not pull the sword out and the fat closed over it. Then Ehud went out to the porch. He shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. After he had gone, the servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. They said, he must be relieving himself in the inner room of the palace. They waited to the point of embarrassment, but when he did not open the doors of the room, they took a key and unlocked them. There they saw their Lord fallen to the floor, dead. While they waited, Ehud got away. He passed by the stone images and escaped to Sirah. Uh, when he arrived there, he blew a trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim and the Israelites went down with him from the hills with uh, him leading them. Follow me, he ordered, for the Lord has given Moab your enemy into your hands. So they followed him down and took possession of the forts of the Jordan that led to Moab and they allowed no one to cross over. At that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all vigorous and strong not one escaped that day Moab was made subject to Israel and the land had peace for 80 years quite a story Kind of strange, maybe a little obscure, I think that it could be the plot of the next Marvel movie or the, uh, the, the next uh, James Bond thriller, uh, we're calling it today Lefty versus Hefty, and uh, uh, it, it's full of action and intrigue and suspense, and the hero wins the day, I mean it's good stuff. Maybe Ehud was indeed the, the original secret agent man. And so as I read this story, uh, you know, my mind, uh, as, a, as a pastor sitting in the office with the scripture in front of me, well, where does this, uh, where does this text uh, take us? What, what do we need to, to, to get into today? Maybe this could be a message about the dangers of being fat, right? We could go there today, right? Uh, we could talk about eating right and exercising because this shows us that if you're fat, you might die, right? And so we could, we could really get a good uh, I don't know. That's probably a stretch. I don't think that's where the text wants to take us today. Maybe this could be a message about the importance of weapon ownership. Uh, Ehud had his uh, weapon so he could rebel against the oppressive government. I definitely don't want to go there today. i not going to do that. Maybe we, should, maybe we should be looking at how we can be ninjas for Jesus. I, I don't know. We, a whole host of things I think we could come up with. I, I think what we really need to see, though, in this scripture, in this story, through this story is that God loves to deliver his people, and he uses his people to do it. God loves to deliver his people, and he uses his people to do it. So then the question is, where is God calling you to bring his deliverance in your life? Well, it might not be as, as, as a, a, this big dramatic scene with daggers and bowels discharging and all this stuff, but, but, but you are surrounded, all of us are surrounded every day with opportunities to bring God's grace to people who are in desperate need of it. And I think that the story of Ehud shines a light on how God uses us, just like he used Ehud, to bring his love and his grace to people who are oppressed by sin and its consequences. The story uh, starts out like a lot of stories do in the Old Testament actually the people are supposed to be following God but they're not right they're they're sinning so they have to deal with the consequences of their sin and in this case those consequences came in the form of uh of of oppression by an obese self-centered greedy king Eglon he demanded that they bring him tribute, and uh, he was getting fat off of his wealth while he was oppressing them. And after 18 years of dealing with Eglon and his greed, the Israelites finally cried out to God to deliver them, and, and they, uh, they, they seem to have seen the error of their ways, and they, they, they turned back to the Lord, and that's when we meet Ehud. Ehud is, uh, is maybe an unlikely hero. He's from the tribe of Benjamin, which was the smallest tribe in Israel. He was left-handed, which historically is, is only about, what, 10 or 15% of the population. Uh, not necessarily the great warrior that folks may have been expecting when they cried out to God. But, but that's kind of how God works. I, I remember Ehud primarily as an answer on a test. Uh, when I was in seminary, uh, everyone had to pass what they called the Bible content exam. They kind of thought that maybe if you were going to be a preacher, you needed to know what was in the Bible, I guess. I mean, I mean go figure, whatever. But uh, So everyone at some point while they're in seminary, you got to take all the classes and do all the things, but the, everybody had to pass this test, the Bible content exam. It was a big test and had a lot of stuff on it and, uh, and some pretty obscure things on it. And, and uh, one of the most famous questions, and the buzz going around, that's the... Uh, Content exam is coming up for those who were about to take it. The, the, it's oh, don't don't uh, don't forget. You need to know who the left handed judge was, and I was like. You know, I was a business major in college, now in seminary. And I uh, had no idea who the left-handed judge was. And uh, And so they told me. It was Ehud. And I said, cool. And I still didn't read the story. and I still didn't. But uh, when it came down, sure enough, uh, in the middle of that test, Bible content exam, uh, hours and hours, sweat pouring off. Well, it might be embellishing a bit. But we well, got down to, there, sure enough, who was the left-handed judge? And I wrote Ehud. And uh, and I got that one right. And And it just so happens, in case you're wondering... Yes, I did pass that test. Um, I can't say that I got a hundred percent, but 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 for the most part, I guess I'm aware of what's in the uh, what what content is in the Bible. My closest experience with uh, with uh, someone being left-handed it was my dad. Growing up in, in in our house, my dad was left-handed. He had the worst handwriting in the entire world. Uh, he always had to plan ahead where he's going to sit when we we went to a restaurant because he had to have that left corner right because because if he was sitting uh, on the inside and uh, and you know, like you're in the booth and i'm sitting here and he's there and i 'm cutting my food with this arm and he's cutting his it just it just did not work so we had to plan ahead because we' left handed uh we had to, and then then scissors were always a problem right if you're left handed i'm not going to ask you to raise your right hand because that would be wrong because you're left handed good good uh, but uh Anyway, uh, so the one thing my dad always reminded us of was, uh, was that uh, uh, the right side of the brain controls the left side of the body, and the left side of the brain controls the right side of the body, so he was the only one of the four of us who was in his right mind. He would, uh, he would emphasize that to us uh, more than once uh, over and over again. So then the question has, as as we're looking at this and the details and and all the the stuff, what's the big deal about Ehud being left-handed? Well primarily, I, I just, just as far as the story goes I, I think uh, it's simply to note that Ehud had made this sword and he's strapping it to the opposite side that most normal people would strap their sword uh, and so if the palace guards were going to frisk him or try to find a weapon or is he up to no good uh, they would probably be looking at the, uh, uh, his left thigh because most folks, if you're right-handed would reach over, grab a sword this way and, uh, but this guy was left-handed and so he had it strapped over here so he could reach there, and and so they weren't going to check that. So so one one thing that they're just it's part of the story. They just are showing that he was left-handed because that's where that sword had to be. But I, I think I think there's another thing that's worth noting, and uh, the the word for left-handed here, the Hebrew word for left-handed, actually is translated weak in the right hand. So you're left-handed. Uh, the way that they say that is that you're weak in the right, limited ability in the, in his right hand is is really how this would read. So he's using his left because he has limited ability in his. You know, it could be that he was just left-handed, like we know people are uh, dominant hand left or right, or it could be that uh, that he had actually had a, a disability of some type in his right hand, uh, so that he had to adapt in order to use his left. It doesn't say that his hand was shriveled or or unusable or anything like that. Uh, but but it, that could be a a, a, a translation of this uh, this phrase: "weak in the right hand." So whether Ehud was, was just left-handed or, or he had a disability, I, I think it's interesting that Scripture points it out. I mean, there are, the Bible skips over a lot of details. I don't know, there's, there's a lot of pages in the, in the Bible, right? A, a, a lot of words. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and they're telling a story uh, that spans thousands of years. So they can't hit all of the details. It's important then when it does hit details that we pay attention to those details because there's something there. You see, again, I, I need to tell you that God loves to deliver his people and he wants to do it through us, through you, just like he made you, right? Left-handed or not. Or whatever, uh, whatever uh, disability you might have, whatever, whatever details there are about your life, God loves to deliver his people. He wants to use you to do it just as he made you. You, Ehud, could have made excuses. Uh, he he wasn't like everybody else. He was a lefty, and everyone else was uh, was using their right. He was uh, his his weakness, or uh, even if it was he, his disability, could have been an excuse. That 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 he used in order to disqualify himself from service to God, but but he didn't see it that way. It, it appears that he's already in a position of leadership. We get the impression through this story that that, that this probably wasn't the first time that he'd gone and and uh, led the procession to deliver this tribute to this uh, to this king. Uh, probably had done it before. Was probably in, in some type of leadership in uh, in the uh, the Israelite uh, uh, community there. Um, and, and uh, then he, he didn't use that weakness as an excuse uh, in order to d- uh, disqualify himself from leadership, and then he actually turned it into his superpower, right? Uh, and, and he tricked the guards because he was left-handed. And so I have to ask myself, what, what weaknesses am I using as excuses to not serve God? And I think maybe that would be a great question for you to ask yourself too. What weaknesses are you using as an excuse uh, not to serve God, not to bring his grace to the people around you? see, God made you just the way you are. We are made in the image of God. He has created you, each one of us, uniquely. We have unique gifts and abilities and passions and, and, and personalities and experiences, and God wants to use all of those things. God wants to use you. I think maybe you need to hear that. I think maybe we don't always believe that. I think maybe you need to say with me today, God wants to use me. Let's say that together. God wants to use. Now I want you to mean it when you say it. God wants to use me. Do you really believe that? God wants to use me. And by me, I don't mean me. I mean you. I mean all of us together. Uh, in in the, the weird times, in the, in the uh, uh, amazing dramatic times, in the mundane everyday times, God wants to use us just the way he has made us. Because God wants to deliver his people. He loves to deliver his people and he uses his people to do that just the way he's made us. So where is he directing you to bring his grace, to bring his life, to bring his deliverance, to set people free from the consequences of sin? Maybe there's a a ministry that, that that God has laid on your heart, and you've been dragging your feet to get involved. There's there's so many ministries, even in our community. We were just at the uh, Oasis of uh, of Hope dinner uh, Friday night, a great ministry that's been in town for for quite a while now, and 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 uh, many of you have supported them over the years. A uh, uh, crisis pregnancy and parenting support ministry, and uh, uh, great stuff going on there. And maybe God is calling you to serve at a place like that, or or maybe the personal care pantry up the street, or or or, uh, some other food pantry or, or other ministry uh, 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 there are a lot of places where we can get involved and maybe you have thought oh yeah I should probably but you haven't done it and maybe this is the call this is the time yeah I need to look into that I need to do it of course there are many opportunities to serve right here in 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 the church uh, through the ministries of the church, there's always p- uh, opportunities in children's ministry or in youth ministry or on the worship team or uh, in the nursery or, or uh, uh, teaching or, or cleaning or uh, uh, hospitality ministry. What, what it, there's so many places where you can step in and serve because God wants to use us, how he's made us, to bring his grace and his truth to others. It could be a little less formal than that. Uh, I, I think uh, so many times it is less formal than that as well. Not only are we involved in maybe some organized ministry, but, but God wants to use us through the relationships and the, and the uh, contacts that we have uh, in our own lives. Uh, there, there is certainly someone who needs to know God's love and grace, and he wants to use you to show it to them. Maybe that's a family member or a coworker, or a friend or a relative or whoever that is. Uh, what would God have you say or do to draw them to him? It's not a question of if God is calling you to serve. Well, I, I'm, I can't serve, I'm not, uh, that's not me, I'm just, you know, uh, no, it's, it's not if God's calling you to serve, it's where is he wanting to use you to bring his love and grace into the world. I, I think we're real good at making excuses. Uh, we, can't serve God, I'm fill in the blank. Uh, Ehud could have said, I can't serve God, I'm left-handed, right? Uh, To which God, whatever our excuse might be, God says, yes, I know you are. I made you on purpose, just like you are, so I can use you just the way you are. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but God is in the habit of using people who appear, quote, weak in order to uh, uh, make sure that, that, that his strength and his uh, presence and power is, is highlighted. Uh, just a, a few things throughout scripture that remind us of that. Moses stuttered. David's armor didn't fit. John Mark was undependable. Hosea married a prostitute. The prophet Amos was just a fig tree pruner. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Abraham was too old. Timothy had ulcers. Joseph was a nuisance. Paul was ugly. Peter was a coward. Lazarus was dead. There's, there's, There's an excuse right there, right? Naomi was a widow. Jonah was disobedient. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon and Thomas were doubters. Jeremiah was suicidal. Elijah was depressed. Paul was a murderer. So was Moses, not to mention David. John the Baptist dressed funny. Samson needed a haircut. Noah had a drinking problem. Moses had a short fuse. Zacchaeus was very short. And Ehud was left-handed. What's your excuse? Philip Brooks once wrote, "Never pray for tasks equal to your power. Pray for power equal to your tasks." We could probably insert the word ability or or uh, uh, something along those lines. We're not praying that that that, that we're going to uh, get everything lined up and then God's going to use us. If He calls us to something, He's going to uh, enable us to to do that for Him, and He's going to use us all along the way. Pray. For power equal to the tasks that are at hand. God loves to deliver his people and he wants you to use you to do it even if you're left-handed. Even if you're right-handed. Especially if you're left Whatever you fill in the blank there, God wants to use you because he made you just the way you are. So no more excuses. God wants to use you. But it's going to take work. It doesn't just uh, doesn't just. I mean, Ehud planned ahead. Here's what I picture in my own mind. Again, with the uh, James Bond music maybe playing in the background, I picture kind of an Ocean's Eleven kind of uh, uh, scenario where where uh, Ehud and his cronies are sitting around in their in their secret bunker somewhere, and they've got the uh, the plans for the the palace uh, laid out, and they know how to hack into the security cameras, and and uh, they they look at all the uh, all the uh, uh, obstacles that might uh, the problems that they might have in order doing it, and they one after the other they they make a plan to get around this and do that and, and do this and and uh, and, and so they they uh, knew they'd have access to the palace at the time of the tribute and and uh, uh, he knew that uh, Ehud knew that that Eglon was was egotistical and and uh, would be flattered that there was a secret message just for him and and uh, he knew that the guards always always checked the the the, the left leg for weapons uh, because that's where everybody kept them so he crafted a homemade dagger that would fit on the other side and uh, he, you know he he made it and uh, I just picture him to get all the plans in order and then he just can't wait for that day that when they're the scheduled day for him to take this stuff and uh and 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 just work out the plan and so i just picture him sharpening that sword every day uh, ready i i i don't know again in my in my mind's eye i picture him standing in front of the mirror doing a little uh let's see i'm Right-handed, that's kind of hard for me. I would have to practice a lot. But uh, he, would, he would, just going through it, it was hard work. He had to plan ahead. He had to, then he had to work out the plan. He, the, so this, this guy, the secret agent man, the ninja, whatever, uh, Ehud, he gets past the guards. He lures the king into a private meeting, and then he shoves his dagger all the way into those folds of obesity, and it just swallows it up. Just gross, right? Just well, it gets a little grosser because because uh, then his bowels discharge. So that's great. That's a that's a good part of this whole story. I mean. Uh we get the impression that Ehud had been there before. Uh, he knew where the doors were. He knew where the key was. He knew how to lock the doors. He knew how to get out. There are there are many scholars who believe that uh, that uh, although it doesn't say it specifically, as it's talking there and and talking about uh, how this story goes, that that it's very possible that Ehud may have escaped through the toilet chute of some sort. And I don't want to go into what uh, what's involved in the toilet chute, but it wasn't pretty. Okay, and so uh, so he it, this was this was hard work. Uh, it, uh, you know, they, so, some scholars also say that the guards probably smelled the smells of uh, what was going on in that other room and that's why they assumed that the, uh, the, the king was indisposed and so they waited on him and that gave Ehud enough time to escape and to rally the truth. The point is that Ehud didn't just sit back and wait for God to swoop in and snap his fingers and make everything better. There was work to be done, (laughs) messy, dirty, difficult work to be done. So he made a plan and he worked the plan. And I think sometimes when we're serving God, we think it should be easy. God will just supernaturally make everything all work out. But we have sixty-six books of Scripture showing that when God brings His deliverance and grace, He almost always uses His people and their gifts and their skills and their hard work in order to accomplish His plans. It's, it's not easy. Nothing, nothing worth doing ever is easy. We have to continually be asking the question: Where is God calling me to serve? Maybe you won't be crawling through any toilet chutes, but I guarantee you that it won't be easy. You'll have hard days. You'll have days when you want to quit, when, when you're scared that, uh, that, that, that things aren't going to work out and you're not quite sure where it's all going. But, but uh, uh, just as Paul said in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, it's, uh, he says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. On the hard, stressful, anxious days, trust in the God who made you, even if you're left-handed. Trust in the God who made you and the God who called you. And then do the work that he calls you to do. Ehud, through all of this dramatic story, influenced an entire generation. Verse 30 that we, uh, we read there as the music was dying down, uh, says that the Israelites had peace for 80 years while Ehud was around. I don't, I don't know the details of what your influence will be. But I, I do know that, that God uses his people to accomplish his plans and so he's calling you to influence those around you for him. There is a generation right now, there is a world, there is a generation, there are people within your influence who need to experience peace with God and, and as you and I are faithful, God will use us to reach them and to save them, to deliver them from the consequences of sin. Back in, uh, in the late 1800s, there was a young Irish woman working in England. Uh, her name was Amy Carmichael. She decided to, to answer God's call to serve on the mission field and, and uh, though she, she had some health issues uh, uh, and so she tried to match up with some of these mission agencies to send her and uh, they all said, well, you're too sick and I don't think we can we can support that. She finally found a mission agency that was willing to send her to India and so she packed her bags and off she went and when she arrived, uh, the, the other missionaries on the ground there didn't think she'd last six months she stayed uh, she, she fought through her sicknesses and she never left Amy Carmichael reached the the, the the poorest, the youngest, and the most despised uh, uh, among those folks in that community where she was in India, especially the babies and the children who were given to Hindu temples who were forced to serve as as slaves and, and tortured if they were caught trying to escape. And so Amy Carmichael rescued them and she built a home and she recruited a staff to care for them. Uh, the, the ministry, maybe you've heard of it, I don't know. The ministry became known as the Donover Fellowship and the, the children called their headmistress Amma which in their language means mother Amy Carmichael's mission trip to India ended 55 years later when she died at the age of 83 and during that time she rescued over a thousand abused, abandoned and enslaved children Amy Carmichael didn't see her disadvantages as things to disqualify her for ministry. Instead, she answers God's call. She worked hard through much difficulty, and she literally influenced a generation. God loves to deliver his people, and he wants to use you to do it. Don't look at all the reasons why you can't. Who cares if you're left-handed? Trust in the God who calls you to serve. Bring his grace to people in need and and influence that person in front of you. Influence the the community around you. Influence a generation. Bring his grace and his love and his redemption to a world in need. Ran across a poem this week that I think is is a great kind of exclamation point on the end of this message, simply titled, Be Strong, and it says this, Be strong. We are not here to play, to dream, to drift. We have hard work to do and loads to lift. Shun not the struggle. Face it. It's God's gift. Be strong. Say not the days are evil. Who's to blame? Or, or fold your hands as in defeat, Oh shame. Stand up, speak out, and bravely in God's name. Be strong it matters not how deep entrenched the wrong how hard the battle goes how day uh, the day how long faint not fight on tomorrow comes the song our worship team's coming back up, and we're going to kind of celebrate with a song that I guess probably fits in last week, maybe more than this week, but the, the truths are still there as, uh, as we think about the life that, uh, that, that, that God brings and breathes into us. Will you stand with me, and I, and I want to pray for us as we, uh, as we prepare to worship together. Father God, thank you for this kind of crazy, weird story of Ehud, uh, a, a spy thriller if there ever was one. Lord, I pray that we won't leave the hard work of ministry to, uh, uh, to these heroes of the Bible or these obscure uh, judges on these pages, Lord, like Ehud. But Lord, I pray that we can recognize and know that there is work to be done right in our own home, right in our own community, uh, through us, that you you are calling us to, uh, to, to speak up for you, to speak out for you, to serve others in your name. And so, Lord, I pray that that even as this service comes to a close in just a moment, that we can recognize and know that your calling never stops, that you continue to call us to bring your light and your life and your deliverance into the world where we live. Go with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.